This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It's meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Hello and welcome to SuperAge. My name is David Harry Stewart. I'm the founder of Aegist. At SuperAge, we help you live better and become the best version of yourself. And who doesn't want a SuperAge? Welcome to episode 37 of the SuperAge podcast. Great to have you here. This will be dropping on May the 26th, 2021. Uh, so what's going on with you guys this week? You know, what's going on with me is we're going on a real trip next week. We're going to Greece to visit our friends at the wild. And, you know, it's been a while since any of us have done anything like that. And so what's on my mind is, what am I going to read? I mean, do you guys worry about, like, what kind of book you're going to bring? I feel like I obsess more about the book that I bring on the trip as, like, you know, what kind of clothes am I going to bring or any of that stuff. So, hey, you got any suggestions? <laughs> Hit me up, please. David, superage.com. Uh, this week, we have... The Sleep Doctor, Dr. Michael Bruce, coming back for part two. We got so many questions from all of you about sleep, and he'll be here to answer those in just a moment after a quick word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is really unlike anything that I've ever done before. It's a combination of a blood test with 45 specific biomarkers, and then there's a genetic test for your DNA, and then it's linked to your Fitbit or your Apple Watch, whatever your activity tracker of choice is. From this, it gives you very specific targeted suggestions on what to eat, what not to eat, how to change your activity, how to improve your sleep. It's a whole different ballgame than anything I've seen before. If you want to increase your health span, your longevity, if you want to get stronger, I've never seen anything quite like this. I've gotten a lot of information over the years from various professionals, and it's all disjointed. It's not hooked together like this. It doesn't tell you the exact things in the way that the Inside Tracker platform does. So I'm a huge fan. Check it out. Go to the front of the Aegis website. You'll see a 25% off ad for anything that Inside Tracker offers. I think it's a fantastic value, and I encourage all of my friends to sign up for Inside Tracker. Hey, Michael, how are you today? I am excellent. I'm well slept and ready to answer any question you throw at me, brother. I <laughs> love that. <laughs> um, so uh, it was great having you on the previous session, and we got a whole lot of questions, people writing in, wanting to know more sleep stuff, because as you point out, if you're not sleeping well, nothing else is going well. Isn't that the truth? Holy cow. So... Uh, First, I want to dive into the four animals. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Four, so let, let me tell the sleep. story about the four animals. Yeah, and please. Kind of bring everybody back up to speed. So, yep. um, so there's these things out in the universe called chronotypes. And um, you might not have heard of the term before, but you've actually heard of some of the vernacular. So if you've ever been called an early bird or a night owl, those are chronotypes. So my contribution to the literature, when I wrote my third book called The Power of When, I found a fourth chronotype. So people are like, what, you found it? Well, let's just be clear. Chronotypes are genetic. So they're actually indwelling in your body. And so you can't actually decide if you wanna be an early bird or a night owl. Um, the, what I found was that there are some people with very inconsistent 
sleep patterns. Um, insomnia turns out to have a genetic component to it, and it actually fit perfectly with this whole idea of early bird, people in the middle, night owl, and then people with insomnia. But I got to be honest with you, dude, like I'm not a bird, I'm a mammal, right? And so I was like, I, I don't associate with birds. I want to pick animals that will associate with this. Now, here's what's interesting. Um, if you ever write a book, once you get to, to the point where you're in the publishing stage, you're in the big marketing meeting. And when you're in a big marketing meeting, they're discussing all kinds of aspects like the title of the book and the cover of the book and the this of the book and the that of the book, right? So I, I was in there talking about, I wanted to change these to animals. It turns out nobody wants to be a porcupine, right? Turns yeah. out nobody wants to be a platypus, right? So I had to choose animals that people would want to be, right? They would want to have some ascension too, but also actually had the correct chronotypical uh, sleep patterns. So early birds become lions. So let me tell you a little bit about what a lion is. A lion is my kind of go-getter, my COO, the early riser. We're talking 445, 515 is kind of normal for these folks. Um, they love to hop out of bed and are ready to rock and roll. Um, they like to make a list almost every day and they go from step one to step two to step three to step four. They're very um, consistent, almost militant in their thinking. Uh, in a lot of ways. Um, usually they're fairly health conscious. Um, they like to work out a lot. Um, however, being a lion, that's what we call them now, lions, isn't always all it's cracked up to be. Because I've got a lot of people out there and they're like, dude, all I want to be is a lion. You know, I just want to wake up at 5.15, start my day, crush it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Here's what happens to lions. They're not very good socially. If you've been up since 4.45 in the morning, dinner and a movie is out for you, brother. I can assure you of that. So if you're the type of person that likes to go out and be more social, hanging out with lions, unless you're also a lion, probably isn't going to work too well. The second cat, and that makes up about 15% of the population. The second category of what we call bears. Bears actually make up the majority of the, of the category. 55% of people are bears. And bears are folks in the middle. So these are people with a normal sleep drive. They kind of like to get up when the sun goes up. They go to sleep around 10 o'clock at night. They get about eight hours. But what's interesting about bears is they're oftentimes extroverted. So these are the fun people that like to hang out with you, go out for dinner, go out for lunch, that kind of stuff. They're not always extroverted, but a lot of them are just good, solid, friendly people, kind of falling into that middle category. The night owls, we now call them wolves. They make up about 15% of the population. Um, I am a night owl. I am a wolf uh, for sure. Um, and so I always tell the story. Uh, I started dating my wife and um, it turns out that she was a wolf as well. Um, but we didn't know it at the time because we didn't really know what wolves were. Um, so I would call her up and say, hey, hon, when do, you, when do you want to get together? And she'd say, pick me up at eight. We'd be at dinner at 830. We'd finish by 10. We'd go to the movies. We'd be done by 1230. We'd go get dessert or a drink and we'd be home by two. And it was perfect for us. Neither one of us cared because we were both night owls. Now imagine if you were a lion trying to date a wolf, that could have some pretty interesting uh, difficulties there. And we'll talk about that in a little while. The fourth one is what we call a dolphin. And again, that was my contribution to the literature. They make up about 10% about of the population. And dolphins are my problem children. Um, dolphins are my insomniacs. My people, uh, they're a lot like lions. Um, they like to get up really early, but they have like such a high vibrational energy that they're just anxious constantly. 
Um, and, and, it, and it really is difficult for them. Oftentimes their anxiety can be overwhelming to the point where they can't finish projects or they feel like it's never quite done, those kind of people. Everybody knows a dolphin, by the way, in their life somewhere um, because they're very, they're very frequent. Now, what's interesting is people say, well, Michael, did you kind of make all of this up? Like, where did all these ideas come from? So to be clear, um, these the first three categories before the insomnia one that I came up with, they've been around since the dawn of time. Think about it like this. When you had a village, who were the hunters? They were the lions, right? The people who got up early, hunted before dawn, were able to kill the meal and bring it to the village. Who, who were the bears? These were the people in the village that minded the children, that built the village, that did all of those things. Who was security? Those were the wolves, right? They're up anyway. They might as well be standing there with the spear, right? And fending off any problems. So these three categories have been around literally since the dawn of time. Dolphin seems to have come forward uh, with the invention of the light bulb. So, you know, that idiot uh, Edison, when he invented the light bulb, he screwed up everybody's sleep because now you could work at night. Um, and that changed everything. The Industrial Revolution really had a significant impact on people's sleep. Number one, because of the light bulb, but number two, because of the invention of something called overtime. And so when people would be willing to work in the evenings and get double or time and a half, of what they normally would be getting that overrode their, their financial need overrode their health need. And so people started working on shifts and shift work causes tremendous issues within the sleep community. But again, these are kind of the four different categories of people that we've been able to discover. Now, people always say, well, Michael, what if I don't want to be a lion or what if I don't want to be a bear? Too bad. It's genetic. Now, you can work with it. Like, look, guys, I'm five foot nine and I'm never going to dunk a basketball. It's just not going to happen. OK, um, but if I work within my own parameters, I definitely can enjoy basketball. I might not be able to dunk, but I can definitely enjoy it. And sleep is very much the same way. Once you know what your chronotype is, by the way, go to chronoquiz.com and you can learn your chronotype in about three minutes. Um, or you can actually look on your 23andMe data or your ancestry.com data. It'll tell you on there, too. Um, but, uh, you know, if you figure it out, you'd be shocked at all the things you can figure out how to do. So I got a question for you. You have children now. Mm -hmm. So you and your wife, um, are out there, you're wolves. We now, are. The kids, um, I'm guessing are up like at six or so seven. it's interesting. So this is a great question. Everybody turns out goes through almost every chronotype. So when, when babies are born, they're lions. Think about it. If you've got kids, right? They go to bed early. They wake up at the crack of dawn. Then you've got middle, like, then you've got kids that are a little bit older, like toddlers, right? They're bears, right? All going up into grade school, right? They go to bed when the sun goes down. They get up when the sun comes up. Then you got teenagers. Teenagers, right? Think about them. They want to stay up late and sleep late. So they're wolves, right? So over here at the Bruce household, we have what we call the wolf pack. So I have a 19-year-old, a 17-year-old, and both my wife and I are late-night people. So oh. honestly, if oh, you showed good. up, right? If you, dude, if you oh. showed up at my house at one o'clock in the morning, we would welcome you in. <laughs> uh, well, so, uh, but Michael, you and I belong to this group where we do this breathing thing yeah. early in the morning. We do. How's that working out for you? So that's the right question to ask. And so, originally, I used to wake up at exactly 7:30 every single morning, right? For whatever reason, that was kind of my, my thing. And then I decided to consistently go to bed at midnight to see what would happen. I, and without an alarm, I would wake up at 7.30. 
within three months, this level of consistency, all of a sudden I started waking up naturally at 7.15. Three months later, seven o'clock. Three months later, 6.45. Honestly, dude, I get up at 6.13 almost every day without an alarm. I go to bed at midnight and I'm the sleep doctor, right? So I'm getting roughly six hours and 13 minutes of sleep every night. How can that possibly be healthy is the question that everybody wants to ask. Because of the consistency and me knowing what my chronotype is, when I measure my sleep, it's perfect. <laughs> it is. I just literally found almost 90 minutes in my day. What would you do with an extra 90 minutes every single day? Okay. So right? this Kinda brings, cool. all right. So now I, this brings me to something else. So what you're talking about here is in order, you have to have almost perfect sleep efficiency. You have to, when, when, when you lie down, you're there, you're out and there's no wake up in the middle of the night. You're like virtually hundred percent efficient. It, yeah. Is that right? Roughly. Yeah. I mean, I check it with my aura ring. Uh, that I have. And so what I did was when I was originally starting, I looked at my sleep before like baseline and the percentages of each amount. And then as it started to shrink, I got uh, concerned, right? I was yeah. like, holy crap, what's right. going on? Right. I kept the same percentages. I just lowered the number of minutes of each one. So I still got exactly what I needed. It's just in a much more compact format. I mean, look at me now. I have had zero caffeine. I've been up since actually 545 this morning. I something I heard something outside and got up. So, and this is my level of energy every day, right? And I don't even need caffeine. Okay. So, uh, so when I see you in the mornings, yes, right? You're wondering like, what's going on with him? So exactly. what happened? So I wait, I have a very specific routine. I wake up at 613. I get dressed and I get my dog. I feed my dog. I, I get my supplements ready. I then walk my dog and I get 15 minutes of sunlight and fresh air with him. I'm, I've already at that point drank at least 15 ounces of uh, distilled water uh, every single morning. And I've taken at least 15 deep breaths just to kind of bring myself together and center myself. Before I meet up with you on our breath work in the mornings, I then do a formal meditation for anywhere from seven to 20 minutes uh, because it helps bring my heart rate down. Because when I wake up in the morning, to be fair, I'm more like a shotgun and not like a sniper. My mind is everywhere. It's oftentimes in things that are not productive for me. To be fair, sometimes I just don't wake up in a great mood. Um, and so when I'm able to meditate, it slows my thinking down and it brings me in. Then I do our breath work together and that really pinpoints me even more. And when I'm finished with our breath work, that's when I do my exercise for the day. And so I'll do a push-up ladder to eight and then back down and then I'll run a mile and start my day. I feel um, inadequate <laughs> listening to this. Uh, so I wear, um, I don't wear an aura ring. I wear this other thing called a whoop. It's similar. Yeah, so, so my sleep efficiency, um, I recently discovered that the mattress I sleep on sucks. Um, Dude, we need to get you a new bed. Oh, I, I, we, I was in, I was in Los Angeles last week and I, I was at the Hyatt and my sleep efficiency was great. And my HRV recovered. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what is the secret here? And I opened it up and it's like, you know, I took a picture. I forget who makes the, particularly makes the bed, but it was like, great. And then I looked at, then I laid in our bed and it was like, oh, this like, this has got to go. So, um, last night we have a, we have another room here with a different mattress and it's like, 
um, yeah, I said, uh, you know, I said, you know, to my wife, like, Hey, I know the beds in your office, but we're sleeping there tonight. We're going to try this out. And sleep efficiency went from 85%, which is sucks to like 93%. And I, I feel way better today. Yeah. So what, what should you aim for? What's, what's like a good sleep efficiency? So it's interesting. And historically, when we were looking at sleep efficiencies in the laboratory, so not in the home environment, but in the laboratory, 85% was actually considered acceptable, was actually considered decent. Now, mm. to be clear, if you can, what sleep efficiency means is the amount of time that you're actually asleep divided by the amount of time that you're in bed. That's how the right. statistic works, mm -hmm. right? And so when you, when you kind of look at it from that angle, if you're in a sleep laboratory and somebody's attached 27 <laughs> electrodes to your head and put two belts on you and a video camera on you, <laughs> if you can honestly sleep 85% of the time, you are fucking doing a good job, dude. <laughs> right? So what about in the home? Right. So when we're looking in the home, what we like to see, generally speaking, is we like to see growth towards more efficient sleep. So we want you in the bed and asleep when you're in the bed. And so whatever your starting number is, your goal is to hopefully crest over 90 at mm. some point in time. So get 90% of the time that you're spending in bed asleep. You are muy bueno. You are doing better than a lot of people, believe it or not. Now, if you're an optimizer like you are, <laughs> yes, right, then, then you would never be happy with 90%. You would want closer to 95%. To be clear, you're never going to hit 100% sleep efficiency because the metric won't allow for it. You've got to have some time to fall asleep while you're in the bed, which would create that space. So you're never going to get past 98 or 99% sleep efficiency um, unless you, you know, you know, I guess if you had an IV, then you could do it, <laughs> but that's, that's not, not sleeping. Though. That's called anesthesia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's not sleeping. Um, okay. So um, let's talk about, because I am an optimizer mm -hmm. um, and I've recently discovered that the bed that I was in just sucks. sucks. I don't sleep in it. My, my wife moves the whole bed flops up and it's terrible. Yep. So, all right. I need a new, I need a mattress. What do I do? How do I get a great mattress. So this is not an easy task, okay? And to be clear, the industry has not made it easy for any of us either. Um, if you walk into one mattress store, you could see one product there. You could walk into another mattress store. It would be an identical product with a completely different name and different piping and ribbons and things like that to, to make it aesthetically look different. Whereas underneath it, it could literally be identical. This is a trick that has been used in the mattress industry forever, okay? Also, there's a lot of marketing BS. To be clear, there is no such thing as cooling memory foam. It does not exist, guys, okay? This is a, what, this is a gimmick that was used by the mattress industry. So when you think about a bed, I have a very specific way that you should buy a new one. Okay. Hmm. And I'll make some recommendations of some brands as well. Please. So number one, what is your biggest sleep related issue? Is it temperature? Is it pain? Is it the position in which you sleep? Is it motion transfer? Somebody next to you is moving a lot and that's waking you up. Talk with your bed partner and discover rank order what is the most important thing to the two of you together? Now, it might be a little bit different. One person might say thermoregulation or keeping the bed cool is important to me. The other one might say, I really wish you didn't snore. And I wish we had a bed that, you know, articulated and raised up so we could lower that. Like those are all options, by the way. Just to be clear, 
I think I've saved more marriages as a sleep doctor than I ever would have as a marital therapist just by figuring out what mattress people should buy to be truthful. So you rank order all of these different categories to determine what it is that's most important to the to the two of you or three of you or however many people are in the bed. Also, there are pets in beds and there are children in beds and we can talk about that. That's not the best optimization, just to let you know. Um, for me personally, I'm always concerned with um, thermoregulation and pain. Those are the two biggies. And so I like to sleep cooler. Remember, melatonin is only propagated when the when your core body temperature is lower. So once your core body temperature hits its peak at around 1030 at night and then goes down, that's the signal to the brain to release melatonin. So anything that you put in your environment, you want it to keep you cool. That is 100% a goal there. So for me, one of the first items that I'm always looking at is how well does this thing either trap heat or keep me cool because that's going to be one of the bigger factors because I have a tendency to sleep hot. My wife calls me a charcoal briquette. I just kind of generate a lot of heat for some reason and sweat a lot and we don't need me doing that anymore. The other thing you want to be thoughtful about when you're thinking about thermoregulation in particular is what kind of bedding you have. Remember, cotton is really the best of all because it will absorb the sweat and the oils and things like that help pull it off your skin. There are some newer materials and textiles out now that can be very effective. We can get into that a little bit later, but just remember top of bed or bedding can be important when it comes to thermoregulation, especially now that we're walking into summer. Um, I suggest people definitely change their sheets, change their comforter, change their cover, have a much lighter. Again, we're all trying to propagate more cool. But if we're looking at mattresses in particular, the thing that you want is you wanna make sure that it pulls heat away from the body. As of right now, you're going to have much better time doing that in something like a spring bed um, or uh, what I call a grid bed, which is purple. Purple has a very unique uh, cell structure that allows the heat to dissipate significantly. And so one of the reasons we have a purple at our house is because it actually allows for this heat dissipation better than any other product that I've been able to, to test uh, right now. Um, when you're looking for things besides thermoregulation, right? Again, stay away from memory foam if, if heat is your big thing, um, but pain is a problem, then you need something that's really got really good support. Now, people always uh, unfortunately mess up the difference between support and comfort, okay? Support is the product's ability to make your spine stay completely aligned, which means that all of the vertebrae line up with one another and then all the muscles relax. So what we're looking for is if you can put your spine in alignment, all the musculature around it relaxes and actually repairs. Otherwise it stays tight all night long and that's how you get back aches, right? So support puts your body into that position. Comfort keeps you there, right? So if it's comfortable, you'll stay there, right? In that position, whereas the support is what lifts you to that position. So understanding that become, makes things much more clear. And so when you look at a support characteristic, you're looking, is it a block of cheese? Is it springs? Like what is, is it? Memory foam's great in the support characteristics because it's so deep, it doesn't affect the heat of the bed. Whereas you might want something like bamboo or something like that on the top of it, which keeps you cooler. Pain is different. Pain is, uh, is a whole different ballgame because a lot of people have different types of pain. One of my favorite things for people with pain is what's called an articulating bed or a, uh, one of those beds where you can raise the head or mm. raise the feet. Um, those can be extremely helpful, not only for seniors, um, but for people with back pain, because you can actually 
raise up the head and pull pressure off of your pelvis mm. and then start to remove some of that low back pain. By the way, I'm a four pillow sleeper. So I have a pillow between my legs. I have one under my head. I have one on top of my head and I have one that my arm lays on because I'm, I, I sleep like Superman. So I have one arm that sleeps like this, but if I hyperextend my elbow, it hurts in the morning. So I have a pillow that it sits on. I do the pillow over the head too. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah, it's sound. I can't like any little sound, boy. I'm like, boom. Yeah. Sound is an interesting aspect to when you're looking at, um, at sleep in general, because here's what's interesting is the, the way it works is we awaken when the sound table has a big delta. So mm. as an example, you can sleep next to somebody who's snoring if their snoring is fairly consistent in terms of volume and cadence. But as soon as they... <sighs> boom, you wake up and right. you're like, holy cow, what, what just happened to them? Or you hear a sound and it was normally silent. So that's why sound machines uh, have a tendency to work well for people or earbuds. Um, believe it or not, Bose now makes sleep buds, which are these mm. specific earbuds that are meant to be slept with. So those would actually might be a good idea for you because- you, Yeah, mine arrive on Monday. A, yeah, they've got a sound <laughs> library, <laughs> yeah. which is really cool. Um, and it's all sleep related. And what's also yeah. cool about them is you can set a personal alarm. Well, they'll wake you up in your ear without waking up your bed partner. Oh, I cool. like that. Yeah, yeah it's kind of cool. Uh, but getting back to mattresses, yeah, please figure out what it is that's the big one for you. And then you, what is it for your bed partner? And then you want to address those issues. To be clear, I have a full guide on my website at thesleepdoctor.com. There's a button that says guide to picking a mattress. And I literally will walk you through exactly how it is. I've written probably north of 20 articles on different aspects of mattresses. So as an example, if you're a side sleeper, you would have a very different support structure than if you were a back sleeper, mm. right? If you were a stomach sleeper, it would be even different. Mm. Um, once again, if cooling is your thing, I might choose a very particular mattress for you. So as an example, if you're a cooling side sleeper who's going through menopause, <laughs> right? That's what happens, yeah. right? Yeah. And so yeah. that's what we try to figure out. And so right. it's a little bit of a matching game, yeah. you know, uh, trying to move all the parts and, and make it work, but it, it's definitely possible. Check out my website. I've probably got north of 30 articles that yeah. will help you guide you through it for sure. Personally, I sleep on uh, a Hastens and a Purple. Um, Hastens is a brand from Sweden. It's very, very different than most of the things out there. I actually wrote a blog all about it on my website and Purple is a wonderful, wonderful product, very well-priced, very good at heat distribution, um, and the support characteristics are insane. Um, I, as a matter of fact, just put a friend of mine who's in a wheelchair um, on a purple bed, and uh, we're hopeful that it will help him with bed sores mm. and some of those issues that he's been dealing with. So this is a, this is a, this is a pressure relief mattress for sure, purple in, in it is, as well as a heat reduction, which for that, that particular individual made a lot of sense. And the Hastens is a, um, a pad on top? So Hastens is actually a completely different product. So Hastens is, I guess, the best way you could describe it is it's kind of like the Bugatti of beds. So Hastens beds start at 15,000 and go to 400,000 per product. Hmm. So that's a, it's, a, it's a whole different kind of universe out there. I didn't buy one for 400,000, just to be clear. I did purchase one just so that everybody knows. Um, but um, it's a very different, it's a whole different universe of sleep. And to be fair, I'm the sleep doctor. Okay, I, gotcha. You know, I should probably have one of the best beds in the world. <laughs> fair enough. Um, so uh, talk to me about temperature. Do we want to have 
um, say my goal is um, I want to go to sleep at 1030. Yep. Um, then do I want to have the, um, the temperature at a point there and it declines through the night? So it would be ideal if it would decline until about two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. And then what would be ideal is if it started to rise with your normal core body temperature rise. So this is kind of fascinating. And it's actually one of the questions that you, you have on your list. People always want to know, why do I wake up in the middle of the night and what can I do about it? Yeah. One of the hints here is that our core body temperature, again, starts at 1030 at the peak and then it drops, drops, drops right around 233 o'clock that's when it hits the trough and starts to go north again. And so of course, because it's getting, our bodies are getting warmer, it's much easier to arouse at that period of time. And that's part of the reason why we wake up in the middle of the night at that weird time, somewhere between two and four o'clock in the morning. It's always crazy, dude. People call, call me up and they're like, Michael, I wake up at 2.37 every single night. What's up with that, you know? Yeah. And so that's probably the point in which the, their core body temperature um, has changed and it's alerted them uh, to that change. So, and there are a couple other things that people can do in the middle of the night if they're waking up. Um, one thing that uh, you and I talked about briefly before we started the interview was something called guava leaf tea. Um, mm. So for folks who are not aware of this, this is amazing, amazing tea. Not guava fruit and not guava juice, but guava leaf tea. There's at least two scientific studies to show that it helps keep your blood sugar stable all night long. You know, one of the reasons that people wake up in the middle of the night is they haven't eaten enough. Now, this is going to sound a little kooky, so just follow my thought process here. When somebody turns to me and says, Michael, I woke up at 2.30 last night. My very first question is, what time was your last meal? Nine times out of 10, it was six o'clock. I swear to you, six, 6.30, something like that. And so I say, okay, if it's 6.30, you had your last meal and you're waking up at 2.30, that's 10 hours, right? You're out of fuel, right? People don't think about sleep requiring met metabolism and fuel. To be clear, guys, your brain doesn't go into park when you go to sleep. It kind of goes into like second or third gear, but you actually use as much glucose during REM sleep as you do when you're awake. Mm -hmm. So for, again, lots and lots of stuff is kind of going on in the body at that period of time. If you run out of fuel, guess what? There's no sugar. Your brain says, holy crap, what's going on? So it spikes cortisol to wake you up to look for food. And there you are at 2.30 in the morning, woken up, wondering what the heck is going on. Guava leaf tea seems to solve that problem. Now, one of the other things that I've done with some people, you can't do this if you're diabetic or if you're paleo, is to use raw honey um, as well. To be clear, unpasteurized honey, not the kind you get from the bear in the grocery store, okay? The one with the honeycomb that you get at the farmer's market is the good stuff right? And you also, if you can, you want to get honey from your particular uh, area because the pollen and the particulates that are in it, you will become accustomed to, and then you won't get as many allergies. Mm. Um, so it's a way of actually uh, strengthening your immune system. So for some folks, just a teaspoon of raw honey before bed actually works as well as the guava leaf tea. And I have some clients that use both. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing, so I, you told me about this um, yeah. last week. Mm -hmm. And so I've been doing it um, because I have this like crazy metabolism and I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm hungry. Yeah. Um, How'd it go? And, uh, really well. And I, and I read up about it. Uh, I also tend to be hypoglycemic. So I have it um, after I have my breakfast in the morning. Oh, it, awesome. Yeah. So it keeps my blood sugar level till like, you know, like one o'clock. It's brilliant. 
Isn't it awesome? It's like the hack of all hacks. It really is. Um, Super interesting. Okay. So, so that brings me to this whole like idea of um, fasting. So a lot of people are are in this, you know, intermittent fasting. So I fast. Yep. So um, we use the, use the guava leaf tea as a hack so that you don't wake up in the middle of the night. Totally, totally. And look, to be clear, I've written a, uh, wrote one article on intermittent fasting and sleep. I've written articles on keto and paleo and sleep, on uh, vegetarianism and veganism and sleep, on the Mediterranean diet and sleep, and on intermittent fasting and sleep. So whatever your pleasure is, we can discuss or you can learn about how that is affecting your sleep. So one thing just to throw out there is if people are doing paleo or keto, I know we're talking about fasting, but just real quick, when people start that, they can get something called the keto flu. Mm -hmm. Um, And what happens is, is you don't sleep very well. Um, You've got such an abundance of protein uh, and fat in your system and such a low amount of carbs that it actually spikes a couple of different things and it makes it pretty difficult to sleep for the first couple of days. Your body gets used to it once you kind of hit ketosis and kind of layer into that. But a lot of people will complain, at least on the paleo and the keto side, that they, they have insomnia or difficulty falling asleep and staying asleep in the first week or so of mm. that diet. Intermittent fasting is interesting because I do it in a somewhat unique way. So most people, if you look at intermittent fasting, you would be doing it probably from about, you, would, you wouldn't have breakfast and you probably start your, your meal in, intake at let's say 1230 or one o'clock in the afternoon. And then you could eat until let's say eight o'clock at night. And that would be seven hours of your feeding time. So what I did, so I'm a little weird, uh, I'm a little biohacky. And so I know that I'm a wolf. So guess what? I shifted my fast to later in the evenings and it worked exceedingly well for me. Um, So when I first started intermittent fasting, the goal was just to feel like I had more energy, not necessarily to drop weight, but I have definitely dropped weight from it. um, And it's actually worked out quite well for me. And so I actually don't eat until about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And And then I have my time from there. I don't have a particularly large feeding window to be fair, I'm 151 pounds. My metabolism works well. I just don't have a lot of input of mass into me. It just does, I just don't need it. So I eat for about four to five hours in a day. And that's kind of my feeding time. And honestly, it makes my day so much more productive because I'm not like, oh, we got to go to lunch and spend time. <laughs> I'm just right. like, let's go. Right, right. That's, in- that's interesting. The coordinating the intermittent fasting with essentially your circadian, your natural rhythm. Exactly. Right? That's exactly yeah. what I did. And also Definitely. just to, just to uh, dovetail a little bit with that, people can do that or they can be at the regular old intermittent fasting time. It doesn't, it doesn't, one doesn't require um, to know your chronotype in order to complete and, and be successful in intermittent fasting, but it definitely brings it to the next level. Um, for, for people, um, who are optimizers like you. So I know, I'm sure there are lots of optimizers listening here that it's definitely a trick that I use with my high performance sleep coaching. Um, so I, cu- I couple intermittent fasting at their chronotypical time with having them sleep on their chronotype. And then I actually have a very specific movement schedule that we do with them. And it gives people energy all day long. What's a movement schedule? So a movement schedule is where I have you uh, set an alarm on your phone and for five different times during the day, you're going to exercise for five minutes and it's not going to take up enough of your time to have to worry about it. And it'll be equal to a workout, but it will be specifically designed for your chronotype, your body type, and to give you energy. 
And that's my new book that's coming out in December called Energize, How to Go from Dragging Ass to Kicking It in 30 Days. I want that. You'll get one. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, I'm, a, I'm a bear. Just a disclosure. I here. wish I was a bear, dude. God, it would be so much easier. <laughs> well, you're not oh. a dolphin. so I know. Well, look, dolphins are trouble. Dolphins yeah. are trouble. What can I tell you? Um, so, uh, talk to me about, um, uh, screens. You have a sort of an amusing story about screens and your wife, because everyone says screens before bed, bad, right? Not always though. Yeah. I am the only sleep doctor in the universe that says it's okay to fall asleep with the television on. And I'll explain Mm -hmm. the story as to why. So when my wife and I met, um, she told me, Michael, if we ever have a sleepover, I need to let you know that I fall asleep with the television on. I said, don't worry about that, hun. I'm going to be a sleep doctor. I'll fix that. (laughs) I don't know about anybody out there, but if you've ever tried to fix something in your partner, it does not go particularly well. So my idea was I would remove the television and that would be that. I did. I removed the television and then my my girlfriend, now wife at the time, said, get your ass out of the bedroom. And so... (laughs) I brought the TV back and I was allowed right back in. And so then I studied her um, because I wanted to see like, what's the deal with the TV? Because I wasn't one of those kids that fell asleep with a radio on or a TV on or anything. It was always silent for me. And and that's kind of how I prefer it. I mean, I was saying I put a pillow over my head so that it helps dampen the sound for me. Um, But when I studied her, she wasn't even watching it. She was listening to it. So what I discovered when I started to interview her a little bit more, she said, look, Michael, I, I'm, I'm watching an old episode of Seinfeld. You know, it's just enough to distract me from what she calls monkey mind, right? right? Which is the, I can't turn off my brain kind of scenario. And so look, every timer, I think, I'm sorry, every TV, I think has a timer in it at this point in time. Right. And if you can't figure it out, ask your kid or your grandchild, because they will know exactly how to, I had to ask my son how to change the timer on the TV. But once we did, we set the timer, she falls asleep, it goes off, I'm falling asleep and we're good. So at the end of the day, don't stress about sleep. My favorite saying is sleep is a lot like love. The less you look for it, the more it shows up. So <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you're out there looking for that right person for you, you never find them. And the second you stop looking so damn hard, that individual comes calling into your life. And I believe that sleep is the same way. I can teach everybody a gazillion tricks of ways to sleep, but at the end of it all, you can sleep. Everybody can. I've, I, I've very rarely met anybody um, who, there is actually something called fatal familial insomnia, where there are people who could die from insomnia. However, it's only in one Italian family. Um, The lineage (laughs) is very specific. They get a tumor around age 35 in their sleep center and it kills them off. So I'm pretty sure nobody, and there's never been a recorded case in the United States, by the way. So (laughs) what I can tell you is I don't think anybody's dying from, from a sleep problem out there. You know what I mean? So people need to chill out a little bit understand what's going on with it and just don't do dumb things. Right. And so what I tell people all the time is like, look, sleep is, it's a, it's a, it's just like exercise in a lot of ways. Right. And so if you're an exerciser, like let's say you go for a run, you're going to stretch before, then you're going to have your run and then you're going to warm down to make sure that you don't hurt anything. Right. Sleep is the same way. You should have a pre-bed routine, your sleep and a morning routine. 
all of which would be consistent in allowing for higher quality sleep and your ability to get that rest, right? And so very simple, right before you go to bed, if you know what your, uh, if you know what your bedtime is, an hour before bed, do yourself a favor and chop that hour up into three 20 minute segments. So 20 minutes for just shit you gotta do. For in our house, it's like getting kids backpacks together and finding shoes and things like that. 20 minutes for hygiene, and then 20 minutes for some form of like meditation, relaxation, or prayer. Um, I always try to explain to people, you gotta have some runway to land the plane, mm. right? Sleep's not an on-off switch, right? It's like slowly pulling your foot off the gas and slowly putting your foot on the brake. So if you can give yourself some time it should take you approximately somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes to fall asleep. By the way, if you fall asleep really, really fast. So when I was on the Oprah Winfrey show back in 2005, she and I were talking and she said, Stedman falls asleep in a minute, 37 seconds. And I was like, that's not good. She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, that means he's sleep deprived. Mm. Right. And so some of the things that we think make sense aren't actually really good, like giving ourselves some time to relax before bed. Another big one, the snooze button. You want oh, to talk I, about, about taking you out thing. of any oh, level of mindset thing. and peacefulness. Oh. The snooze button is the worst invention ever. Right. Yeah. yeah. Average snooze is seven to nine minutes long and your body can't actually physically get into right. deep sleep again. So yeah. what's the point? So my morning routine, as I described to you earlier, is 15, 15, 15. Take 15 deep breaths. I drink 15 ounces of water and I spend 15 minutes in the sunlight, right? right? I can vary that in a bunch of different ways and make it fun. And I do breath work with you in the mornings and add that to my routine. But that's, that's kind of what I do is I bookend my sleep so that I have success going in and I have success coming out, right? That's what, a, that's what an optimized athlete would do. And so you can absolutely do that with your sleep. Okay, last question here. Wife question. So my wife, um, so I just sort of wake up. My wife doesn't. So unless there's some prompt, it's, it's almost like, you know, as we discussed in the last session, I'm going to mispronounce the harm, the chemicals like a adenosin. So I, but that's not the problem. Now that you told me the problem, tell me, why isn't she waking up? So I think there, so number one, she could be a wolf chronotype like me. Okay. And melatonin is still going in the morning time, making it difficult for her to wake up. Oh, this is a situation that we call sleep inertia. Yeah. Right. It's like, exactly. It's like my body just doesn't want to get out of sleep. Now, yeah. many people may have experienced this before. As an example, have you ever taken a nap and you've actually felt worse, not better after yes, taking a nap? Absolutely. Right. Because you just can't get your head out of it. Yeah. Right. So what my suspicion is for your wife is she's waking up out of a deeper stage of sleep ah. and not in one of the lighter stages. And that's what's keeping her brain there. So mm. what I would do as an experiment is I would, if, does she wake up fairly consistency, consistently at a particular time? No. So that's problem number one. So what I would do is have her wake up at the same time every single day and see if Ooh. it still happens. If it this does, then I'd have to wake up 15 minutes earlier see if it happens. And if it doesn't, then I would have her wake up 15 minutes later and see what happens. And we'll, we'll discover what her window is for allowing her to wake up. Um, this, it, this is it sort of in the, this is like in the category of you removing the television from the exactly. bedroom, the experimenting on um, significant other. I'm going to have to see. Oh, how well, we can do it. We can topic. be very sneaky. <laughs> Please. We, 
we can be very <laughs> sneaky about it. So here's what we'll do. You wake up at the same time roughly every day, right? Mm-hmm. Precisely. Like within Perfect. a minute. Yeah. At, so here's what you do. At a very particular time every morning, make a lot of noise. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. Force her to wake oh, up geez. at the same time and then see if she's got that inertia. Okay, I'll right. work with her and figure it out. But honestly, there's one study that looks at red light therapy for sleep inertia in uh, Korean basketball players, I think it was. And they discovered that it helped them wake up a little bit more quickly having red light therapy. There's only one study that I've ever seen. So just to be clear, I'm not convinced that that's the, the thing that we need to do. Blue light, however, might be very helpful for her. Um, so I would actually recommend if we, if we, if she's not up for changing the times that she's waking up, but would be willing to sit in front of a, um, of a blue light device for it maybe 10, 15 minutes, right. that would probably do it because my guess is, is that her melatonin faucet is still going and yep. we just need to shut that sucker off. Gotcha. Right. Right. Cause she's got to have the, she's kind of stumbles out. She's got to get some coffee or right. you can't, you can't talk to her. Like it's just well, not. And happen. just to be clear, the coffee is not doing her any good. Oh. Uh, as we were talking earlier, right. remember something. When your brain wakes up, it causes two hormones to wake up. Adrenaline and cortisol both have to be high. Okay. When you add caffeine to a brain that's got adrenaline and cortisol on it, it's like adding like weak tea to cocaine. Okay. <laughs> it does no freaking good. But if you wait just 90 minutes and the cortisol mm. and adrenaline drop, then you can add the caffeine. It actually lifts the cortisol and adrenaline. So she's never going to like this idea. But if you gave her 15 ounces of water and some blue light therapy in the morning, we could get we could have her woken up in probably under five minutes after a week. Wow. All right. I'll I'll let you know how that goes if I'm still married. I was going to oh. say either she kicks you out or she <laughs> gives you a big kiss. I don't know which one. Michael, it is just such a joy. Um, you're, you're, it's just so great having you in my life. See you on Monday morning breathing. You absolutely will. I want to wish everybody uh, that's listening sweet dreams from me. If you're interested in learning about your chronotype, go to chronoquiz.com. If you're interested in learning about how to buy a mattress, go to thesleepdoctor.com. And then for references, um, I have a purple and a Hastins, if those were things that you were interested in. Um, But please check out my website. I think you'll learn a lot. Sounds great. Thanks for being here, Michael. You bet. Take care, man. Thanks for joining us on the show today. It's always great to have you with us. And Michael is just, he is such a wealth of information. And I got to tell you, I went to his site, which is just like deep with stuff about sleep. And I immediately went through the mattress stuff and I found out that there is a purple mattress dealer not far from me. I've never heard of purple mattresses, but I'll tell you, I'm going to be laying on one this weekend and seeing how it feels. If you like the show today, please leave us a comment. We love those. Please leave us a rating. Also really great. And hey, subscribe. Yeah. And maybe get your friends to subscribe too. That would really help us out. Next week, we have Mr. Chip Connolly, who's going to be talking to us about what's going on with Modern Elder Academy, his new digital programs, and some new really exciting developments he's working on. Until then, everybody, have a wonderful week, and we'll see you then. Bye now. Bye now.